1: show, and the series we call The Summer of 93 at 30.
2: It's the summer of 93 at 30.
1: A weekend-by-weekend look at the movies released during the summer of 1993. Returning this week, this week I'm going to go with the guy from We Live Entertainment and Why So Blue and Hollywood Critics Association, Variety The host of Out Now with Aaron and Abe, Aaron of Aaron and Abe, welcome back.
0: Hi, I have so many credits. Um, Yeah, glad to be here. We've made it. We've made it through the pilot. We made it for the episode that repeats the pilot just to make sure everybody didn't watch the first week and come back Mm -hmm. the second week. And now we're here with a clean, fresh episode. This is exciting stuff.
1: Bringing back old regulars like the rap Scott Mendelson, who is also here for this i'm well. the sad pathetic cast member from
3: the former show that is only here because i need to work Got John Jimmy olsen and supergirl Hanging
1: out. <laughs> <laughs> oh today we're discussing uh the weekend that was may 21st to 23rd 1993 and we got four big movies to talk this week that uh yeah, we're we're not quite to that heavy hitter season yet, but we're I'm starting to sniff it. Starting well, to sniff it as, as
3: Aaron implied, it's season four, episode four, when everything just clicks into gear and like, fuck, this show is awesome. That's right. Yeah, but so, so next Scott, week
0: this is, is this the is this Memorial Day weekend or the weekend before Memorial Day weekend? Before
3: Memorial Day. Before
0: so Memorial Scott, Day. I, we'll get to this later. But for the box office, obviously these are movies that all did exceedingly well, right? Exactly. The weekend before mm-hmm. the holiday. So. <laughs> All of these records yes. not
1: to be broken until Star Wars: Revenge of the Sith in 2005.
0: That's what I figured.
1: Yes, but uh, anyway, before we get to the movies, as we always do, we start with
0: the news.
1: When I wake up, don't you know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be
0: the man who brings the news to you.
2: This symbol outside
0: says inside you'll find a lasting commitment to performance.
2: The Intel 486DX2 processor, power for today's hottest software. And the Intel Pentium processor,
0: for the next generation of compatible power.
1: All right, so, this week, on May 17th, Intel's new Pentium processor is unveiled. Ooh. The Pentium, what, one? And then we went to two? in three and f- so yeah what
0: did, did the cool clean suit guy commercial start coming in that's like three yeah. or four maybe.
1: yeah yep yeah. until and Man, then uh, were the before, there
0: knew- were, before there were rapping gerbils yeah there when you
1: guys when you were going to college to get like a new computer and you were like Looking at the ones, they were like, "Oh, there's the Pentium processor." But my parents probably want me to buy the one with the whatever processor that you just knew it wasn't as good because it didn't say Pentium. It's like buying a, like an iPhone or something. Like, oh, but no. you can be
0: like that one kid of that meme,
1: right? <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Uh, on May 18th, Danish people vote in favor of ratifying the Mestritz Treaty. Scott, Fine. tell people about that one.
3: <laughs> um.
1: <laughs> Let's see.
3: Uh, Daneland had been in war with the Martians since 1973, and after coming to terms with their uh, enemies, the Polish, they I don't have a fucking clue.
1: All right. Well, uh, on May 19th, a Boeing 727 crashes into a mountain at Medellin, Colombia, and kills 132 people. So there's our downer news for this week. Jesus. Oh, yeah. Uh, on May uh, also that day, Italian police arrest Mafia boss Benedetto Nito Santa Well,
0: they we finally got him at least.
1: Yeah. The regular John Dillinger of his day. I'm sure oh,
0: yeah. he'll be played by Dane DeHaan in the movie soon enough. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, wait, wait, did we skip over what the treaty actually was?
1: I, I was. Curious. Yeah, I have no idea. I, I just, oh, come on, branded branded Brandon. In the Western Indies. <laughs> I can <did it. laughs> <laughs> Don't <laughs> give context. 20th uh, uh, the, the listeners can and watchers
0: can, can look. It's
3: bizarre.
1: more entertaining to hear Scott come up with what he thinks it is. That it is well, it since
3: is. Papa Smurf had won the battle of. Uh...
1: You know, there's gonna be somebody listening. Is like you know that was better than living through it. What Scott said. <laughs> I,
0: I like the listener that's gonna that's gonna see that. They'll write in next week, and we'll talk about it next week. On next, next week, because well, it's totally possible it's possible. Uh on May 20th, His
3: enemy forces were bouncing here, there and everywhere.
1: Yes. Uh on May 20th, a 10-mile meteor comes within 150,000 kilometers beyond despair. of
3: Earth. That was the 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 treaty. Yes.
1: Can I talk about my meteor almost hitting Earth now? Well, you you, you know about that one. That one you looked up. <laughs> yeah.
0: To look up. Oh, it's just we look up this I mean, that's, it's pretty I mean, there.
1: we all, that one thing was some sort of genocide. This almost wiped out the earth.
0: Yeah, but instead it just affected Robert Townsend to be talked right. about later in the rest of the summer.
1: And an, an expired screenplays for years, da, five years down the road. It's 20- not the
3: Oslo Accords. That was later in 93. <laughs>
0: okay, what was this treaty again? The the, the, men's <laughs> the
3: Mendelssohn <laughs> stretch yeah, it's not the fucking Mendelssohn Stretch. I want to know what this is, damn it. <laughs> it is
1: the uh, Ma, like the movie, Stretch Treaty. M-A-A-S-T-R-I-C-H-T. Treaty. There we go.
0: We've piqued Scott's uh, interest more than the uh, current <sighs> thread of uh, continuity revolving around the
1: MCU.
3: Five things you need to know. Perfect. Thank you, Internet. Oh, jeez. You're going to read them or are we going to establish the European <laughs> Union? Fuck yes. We're going to educate people on this episode. It was signed by 12 countries. Five hours
0: later. And then it comes back.
3: Denmark, Belgium, France, Germany, Greece, Ireland, Italy, Luxembourg, the Netherlands, Portugal, Spain, and you guessed it, the United Kingdom. It laid the foundations for the euro. That's actually a big deal.
1: Uh, introduced
3: the criteria that countries must meet to join the euro. Um, it was a. This is not more an opinion than a fact. It was a giant leap forward for European and European integration. Oh,
0: okay. This was a big okay. part of Millions,
3: That did sorry. not live up to the hype. I'm sorry um, for wasting all your time,
0: know, the man. That was a big deleted scene in Daniel Boyle's Millions. I remember. this right. That's how it original was the original opening, the signing of this treaty.
1: <laughs> bro, bro, that uh, that sliver Hot Shots Part due episode of the summer '93 was enlightening as hell, dudes. Like. <laughs> I love
0: Talk about
3: the treaty. For this podcast. <laughs> well, you know, to use a '90s.
1: PSA, we'll be talking about surf niches later. Know. this Boom! 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 All right, okay, I'll shut up now. After we survived the meteor and the treaty was the ink dried on the treaty, uh, May 21st, Dianera Torres, 18 of Puerto Rico, crowned the 42nd Miss Universe. As Scott and I know these pageants are happening all summer long. Uh, on May 21st, Venezuela President Carlos Andres Perez is fired. Shane? Uh, yeah. On May 22nd, the new WKRP in Cincinnati, to tie it back to what we talked about, because that show ended on summer of 82. It's now beginning. Uh, an ensemble TV sitcom sequel created by Hugh Wilson and set in a struggling radio station concludes its syndicated run. What is uh, this sequel? yeah a legacy sequel and lastly on May 22nd Riddick Bo TKO's Jesse Ferguson in two rounds for the heavyweight boxing title our famous deaths this week are Namasio Atunez a Chilean painter Pamela M. Cunnington, architect and writer and actor John Holland Uh, born this week is Yuri Prizovich, a Czech canoeist and Caroline Chang a figure skater yeah hell of a canoeist
3: Yeah,
1: (laughs) I
0: really
3: want to be a painter.
1: (laughs) He canoes down that water like water for chocolate. Our first movie (laughs) this week
2: kitchen ordinary spices become a recipe for passion in the magical
3: movie critics are falling in love with like water for chocolate an instant classic erotic and delectable scrumptious sensual and visually alluring two thumbs up way up Prepare for a treat. The extraordinary new film by acclaimed director Alfonso Arau. Like water for chocolate.
2: Rated R. Now playing at select theaters. It's
1: directed by Alfonso <laughs> Aru, written by Laura Esquivel, who also wrote the novel, starring Marco Leonardi, Lumi Cavazos, Regina Torn, or Je Tornay... Uh, Mario I- Ivan Martinez, Ada Carrasco, and Yarali Arizamende. When tradition prevents her marry- from marrying the man she loves, a young woman discovers she has a unique talent for cooking. Similar to that of the Merovingian in uh, Matrix Reloaded. Uh, but um, this movie was uh, released, it had been like a festival. <laughs> Type, darling but this was its wider release it had a little bit of a limited one back in february but this is the big rollout for like water for chocolate which was on cinemax a lot back in the day i i will say before we get into this i think we have our pedestal for top villain of the summer don't know if it's going to be topped but um aaron
0: well as a uh the latest century in big daddy summer, I would say this is one of the better ones for sure. It mm-hmm. um, certainly feels like a, you know, like we've talked about this a little bit already, but like, you know, you are talking about this at 30 and you certainly have an impression of movies that go on from here. And this is that kind of like Miramax art house, indie foreign language film mm-hmm. kind of thing, where at that time it certainly has a, a feel. It feels like it feels very much like a nineties version of this in just in terms of like the texture of the movie and stuff the tone the the way magic magical realism plays a factor into it just like there's certain kind of hallmarks of movies like this it doesn't make it bad or good or anything it's just certainly certainly something that's noticeable I think that would be a trend so we talk about a lot of these I like this movie it's um well acted I kept trying to place the actress I'm like oh she's in bottle rocket um <laughs> <laughs> I was like yeah. I know I know I was, that's a Nez that's, that's Luke Wilson, that's in bottle rocket. um I think it's. Is there a director's cut of this? Is that like a thing?
3: I'm I'm sure.
1: sure. Yes. That's what ran on cinema. The conventional
3: theatrical cut's 105 minutes. The The, the, quote unquote Mexican cut is 123 minutes. And then there's a long ass cut that's 143.
0: Yeah, similar to like Cinema Paradiso, which shares the same actor, I believe. Um, Another
3: Supergirl comparison. Yeah. Second for this show.
0: (laughs) But. So like, I'm not saying it feels compromised, but it certainly feels like I feel like there's a a more version of this movie that I'm not one where, you know, it's paced well enough. It doesn't feel like it's like cut to ribbons and for the sake of like maximizing anything. But it does feel like there's probably more complete vision here as it stands. It's a well done movie. Like I've seen movies like this as far as. I haven't seen this before. Like I, I remember knowing about it for a long time and I was supposed to review the Blu-ray a long time ago for Why So Blue and it just never they never shipped it to me. No, it's it's well acted. I like I like how it's shot. I think it's a well shot movie, which is important for a film that's about food and the power of what it can do to people and have you. Like I think it mm-hmm. does a good job like, of capturing, like I said, that kind of texture that kind of feels just a little more intimate for like both obvious reasons and just by the nature of how movies like this are filmed. So yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it I thought it was I thought it was a solid one.
1: Scott,
3: Uh, I enjoyed it. I I, this was a blind spot. I was aware of it when it came out thirty years ago, just because you know when I was reading about movies in general. You know, skipping ahead a little bit, this was at the time the biggest grossing foreign language film ever in domestic box office earnings, around twenty one million dollars, and I. Don't think that record was beaten until Life is Beautiful in '99. So. And then it was pants the next year by watching Tiger Hit and Dragon. Oh, yeah. It made $128 million. That one record will probably a, never be broken.
0: But it didn't get a foreign language nomination. I really, I think that was like a thing. Yeah,
3: that was weird because mm-hmm. I, I was going back and looking at the awards I figured it'd be, you know, B- a bunch of relevant Oscar categories and no. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget, was sure in
0: Mi- murdered a lot of people that even
1: was that yeah. Miramax or was, what yeah. was like what well, yeah, so you figure well they weren't at the height of their they were on their like Yeah, it is ninety three so, yeah it's ninety three so they this have, was before they Pulp Fiction. Before Pulp, Reservoir Dogs was just around the yeah, it's like English patients. I yeah. I
3: were, mean it, it was ninety three, so they probably just didn't even think about it. And it's checked off Schindler's list for best foreign film too.
0: Yeah. Because
3: why not? Best animated. Cartoon Schindler's list, documentary Schindler's list, A and bunch of effects, were, eh, Schindler's
0: list. They're trying to sabotage the piano the as they got to. Oh, yeah. best,
1: best international feature, well, it didn't take place in America, did it?
0: Yeah, uh, best documentary,
1: Yeah, well, we'll, we'll spice it up, you know, Jurassic it Park. counts. Yeah,
0: it's still Spielberg. Um, <laughs> documentary short, I made it happen. Since, if, if you watch it in pieces, it's
1: short. It flew by when I was watching it. Um. But no, it is a an enjoyable,
3: body, <laughs> fantastically macabre picture, in a way that I can imagine it doing well in a time when, partially by you know having fewer options, moviegoers were willing to take a chance on something like this in theaters. You know, it's not that much like homily, but in the sense of this feels like a foreign film that yeah, I could see kind of catching on with slightly more adventurous. American moviegoers because it has a certain flight of fancy. Obviously, it's it's far, I don't want to say darker, but spoilers, I guess this family has worse luck with the Kennedys. Um,
1: but the I guy- mean, that's it, but like right now, people are going to see indecent proposal they're going to go see sliver so they're open to these like you know this one isn't as like raunchy as that but it has those implications of that type of, of movies
3: well and you know without getting on my soapbox you know this was a time when adult moviegoers went to see adult films in theaters and you know it's 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 yeah everyone goes to see jurassic park in a few weeks but you know you don't have adults lining up to see super mario brothers the movie you know, the grown-ups see the grown-up movies. The kids see the kids movies, and sometimes the parents will see it with them. Sometimes they will drop them off while they'll go to see the adult movie. But now, the example I always use, and I, you know, long-time listeners, I apologize—you've heard this a thousand times.
1: You heard but, you it know. last summer too, so here yeah, it comes in, again. In April of
3: in April of nineteen ninety, stereotypically speaking, boys went to see, uh, or kids went to see Ninja Turtles. Women went to see Pretty Women. Pretty woman and men went to see the hunt for Ron October. And yes, there was plenty of intermingling respectively. 30 some years later, everyone just fucking goes to Ninja Turtles
0: and watches uh, Jack Ryan on streaming.
3: (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) I mean, maybe not unless it's on Netflix. I mean, I'm of the opinion, you know, that there's such a gap between the ratings for Netflix versus almost everything else that's like Mm -hmm. Netflix has a hit show like Uh, Inventing Ava and everybody says we have to have the next true life you know crime tech swindle like no they just watched it because it was a Shonda Rhimes show on Netflix anyway good movie well acted well staged very colorful it does sell the whole food as sexual metaphor and less metaphorically in some cases
1: well she's got like a superpower with it too
3: yeah, yeah yeah And it's it's a romp, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. And I can see why thirty years ago it was, you know, enough of a crowd pleaser to catch on accordingly.
1: Mm-hmm. I I you know I gotta agree, and I think this one, if people, this is like a, a film ripe for rediscovery. I think because I think it'd play well now, maybe even better than it did because people are like, oh my gosh, this movie, and it's like, well, this is kind of par for the course and I think this movie does this thing where it could have dangerously walked into that trap which it does but it's so engaging and um what's her name um Tornay uh Regina Tornay is so good in, in this movie that it it avoids being that classic tale of could someone just stand up to this asshole already with it but um there's just a good setting uh with some dangers outside as well as inside uh with all the dramas and just just fascinating to watch play out see the relationships unfold this family dynamics really interesting because like there's the grandmother and the youngest daughter are good she's kind of good with her sister who's better with her mom it's like it, it it's just good dramas all around in this little house and various uh, forms of infidelity. yeah, various forms of infidelity I can't
3: around make the flowers grow. Uh,
1: but I, I, I want to point out this this vile woman ruins the lives of like multiple daughters mm-hmm. responsible for the, for the deaths of her grandson and some hired servants. It's like, jeez, um, if you just let someone else take care of you or be okay with your daughter, like, I don't know. I was just like, wow, this woman is responsible for a lot of stuff based on tradition. Uh but it's it, you know it's a well shot well directed movie. I don't know what what else this director do. Um
0: uh, he does a Walk in the Clouds with Keanu Reeves. Okay. I like that one quite a bit. That's a good gotcha. movie. Um, I yeah.
3: think that was yeah I think that was sort of his quote unquote payoff movie for lack of a better word. Like, yeah. Oh this guy made a popular well-liked foreign film. Let's bring him to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And it's very good. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Oh. yeah. Only done 12 yeah 12 films. Um, but yeah, I was already doing he's stuff. He's also this
0: an show. actor. That's the other thing. Like, he gotcha. Some, like three amigos, romancing the stone.
1: Oh, picking up the pieces. Okay.
0: Yeah, that one that's a Woody Allen movie that he's not directing. Yes. Yeah, that's a movie that exists.
1: Yep. I remember it. So yeah, no, this was a uh, no, this is a ni- neat little find here. I like I said I'd never seen it. I just remember it being advertised all the time on Cinemax back in the day. As is was another one of our films here that we'll have. But uh yeah, no, it's uh, if you can find it, it's I believe you can rent it places yeah, it's everywhere. digitally. Yeah, it's everywhere. I mean, it was on Hoopla when we were planning this out and when it came time to do this episode, it was gone from Hoopla. So Uh, It's free on Showtime. 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 Okay. Yeah. So if you're, it
0: moves around, so it'll be somewhere.
1: Or if you have that Paramount Plus package deal.
0: If you, you you mentioned, um, you know, right for rediscovery, what have you, I can see like, you know, the three amigos, Coran and Ritu and Del Toro, just Mm -hmm. like popping this on like American Cinematheque at some point and being like, let's have a new discovery screening of this and talk about it. Oh Yeah. I mean, this movie's, you know, it's one fawn and minotaur away from being a Del Toro movie. Like, it's right. not no, <laughs> yeah, no, it, yeah. It's
1: there, and I mean, it's its a... a the real monsters are humanity. Shh. I mean, it's a very female movie as well, too. I mean, we may have a male you know, director, but this is stuff like that we never made, and it's revolutionary now, but they were getting made on the regular back of the day. It's, so it's just, not
0: an Inaritu film. It's more a Coron yeah. or a Del Toro. <laughs> right,
1: you know, Yeah. <laughs> for certain, for certain. Well,
2: I'm off, but um, Sammy, can I let you in on a little secret? Sure. I knew you'd come back. You did? You can never be unfaithful to your one true love. You always come back to her. Who is that?
0: Think about it, Sam.
2: I'm the luckiest son of a bitch on earth. Sorry,
1: we're closed. But yeah, speaking of Showtime, let's go to the television ratings for this week. This is a big week uh, for the for the Nielsen ratings here. Uh, May sweeps an event that was supposed to be uh, one of the biggest uh, in TV ratings history that just came up short. The final episode of Cheers aired this week. Oh, 30 years ago and that's our number one spot and people thought, hmm, is it going to top Mash?" They wouldn't it, it say did that it again. Got like
3: 100 million
1: viewers, I think. It, didn't I mean, top it mash. did pretty damn well. It didn't top Mash. It, I mean, it did freaking well, just like yeah, yeah, Fe- yeah. Seinfeld would at the end of the at the end of the decade it would be the next time they're like, "Is it going to top Mash?" Um, but Cheers final episode aired. I remember uh, I remember exactly where I was, like watching this. And I remember our local news was like at a bar, like <laughs> yeah, and people were watching it at a bar and like <laughs> interviewing people during commercial breaks. It was ridiculous. Like because like it, they get drink and I drink. Yeah, like oh, this, 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 you hang out here. Off oh, this is your <laughs> cheers. Um, How does Cheers I,
0: end? Like is there anything? Um, uh,
1: she comes. So Shelly Long comes back.
0: Because yeah, you know it's right. the
1: final episode, and she coaxes Sam that things can happen; they're going to go, and um, they're on the plane. They're on a plane, and, she, uh, and yeah, there's a, there's a plane thing. Yeah, okay. yeah, and uh, it's always he a plane thing. He, leaves, he leaves the bar to curse alley, right? Yeah, and then they are on the plane. He doesn't feel something doesn't feel right, and then he shows up back at the bar. And then he tells um, somebody they're closed. And then she says she never had it or something and it's his or whatever. But
3: I will say that, you know, even though it does not get discussed as much as other series finales, even of that era, it's a really good one. It is, yeah. I mean, it's not, you know, a jaw dropper or anything like that, but it's just a solid, solid curtain call for a just very well liked television show. As was Frasier for that matter. Yeah. Which ended around the same time as Fred. With a little bit less fanfare, Frazier's
1: default. not done yet. Christ, no comment. Oh, yeah, they're bringing yeah. back Frazier.
0: Yeah, they're bringing back Frazier. They're they're putting a CG Mahoney
1: in there. <laughs> they're not even bringing Niles back. Like he didn't want to come back, right? He has
0: self-respect. Yeah, yeah he's, um, he's doing the voice in the Bug's Life tube Still bugging. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Maybe by the time this
3: epi- this episode airs, Night Court, the reboot, the relaunch of Night Court, will have already been canceled.
0: And <laughs> actually, I heard about Frazier. They're actually replacing uh, David I. Pierce with Doug Jones.
1: That's good. That's good. <laughs> I'll leave it in the episode. That's good. <laughs> That's good. Uh, still sucks. He said, "Take that, you son of a bitch." Yeah. <laughs> So uh, going on number two was Last Call, Cheers, the special that ran because they used to. If you had a final episode of your big show, you got a clip show uh, beforehand. Um, And then the entire
3: cast was on the Tonight Show with Jay. Jay, Yeah, Jay Leno was already yeah with Jay Leno
1: afterwards. Tell me about this bar. I'm sorry. Tell me about this bar. Tell me about this bar. (laughs) Well, you know, Shelley Long she came back. Man, he got on a plane. Uh, All right, number three, Seinfeld. Number four, Home Improvement. Number five, mm-hmm. Roseanne on ABC. Mm-hmm. Number six, Home Improvement ABC. So I think mm-hmm. like, a double dose of Home Improvement. <laughs> Number seven, the Sunday night movie on NBC, In the Line of Duty. Uh, it, uh, in the Line of Duty, colon, Ambush and Waco, starring Tim oh. Daly as David Koresh, oh, Neil man. McDonough, Jerry Ooh. Ryan, Marley Shelton, Clue Gulagger, James Marsden, Deborah Jo Rupp, and Glenn Morshower. If you're playing Dude. at home, what well, oh, j- happened? Like
3: a that was like a month after the compound burned down.
1: Yeah, well, no, and Tim, <laughs> Tim Daly just showed up in a mini series that was placing in the top ten the last two uh, last week with the Tommenockers, and he's back on a I different mean,
3: network. In the Line of Duty was a very popular serialized. Not serious anthology, I guess. Yeah. Uh, TV movie series that were all true crime stories, and the gimmick is that, all due respect, the gimmick was that all of these stories involved incidents where police officers or law enforcement officers were killed in the line of duty. Mm-hmm. And obviously, for the Waco thing, the siege initially went down. I believe six ATF agents were shot and killed during the initial attempt to arrest. And I remember, you know, these, these were relatively big deals. This one was an exceptionally big deal because, and again, I, I that compound out burned down like a month earlier because the fire was like April nineteenth, nineteen ninety three. And then, mm-hmm. two, you know, it was sort of a weird, skewed coincidence that was also the day of the shot heard around the world, which started the Revolutionary War. And then two years later, Timothy McVeigh, noted white supremacist and you know mass murderer, when Terry Nichols would blow up the Oklahoma City Federal Building, you know theoretically on the two year anniversary of the Waco compound fire and the quote unquote anniversary of the uh, you know the shot her around the world. Um, also, I think the day Hitler died, hmm. um, April nineteenth. But no, I, I did not realize that it was that. I knew it was quick, but I didn't realize it was that quick. Jesus, yeah, May 23rd, they must have been that while it was still going on. Yeah, that. Yeah, they were fever pitching that mofo. Directed, uh, um, directed
1: by Dick Lowry, who uh, known for Smoking the Bandit Part Three. Oh, that's when it got good. Yeah, that was you know, <laughs> underappreciated. Super underappreciated. Um, okay, number eight is Coach on ABC. Number nine, Murphy Brown on CBS. And number 10, 60 Minutes on CBS. And Scott, you were talking about like compounds and stuff with the Waco, but uh, let's head on over to another one and talk about Carnosaur.
3: I'll allow it. What the hell is
0: it? Looks like some kind of lizard.
1: Made for the dinosaurs. The earth was scaled to their dimensions. Human beings are ants crawling through their living rooms.
3: That's that's really fabulous. Like a great theme park.
1: Directed by Adam Simon with additional sequences by Darren Patrick Maloney. I bet he put his hand up a puppet's ass. Uh, Written by Adam Simon from a novel by John Brosnan. Starring Diane Ladd, Raphael Sabarge, Jennifer Runyon, Harrison Page, Ned Bellamy, and Clint Howard. A genetically manipulated and very hungry dinosaur escapes from a bioengineering company and wreaks havoc. On the local desert town, a sec- security guard and a girl environmentalists try to stop both it and the company's doomsday bioweapon. Scott, you loved Carnosaur, right? The book was better. I'm sorry, I just gotta <laughs> <to> say it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I did not know until
3: I was you know doing very rudimentary research for this that it happened based on a book. Did you Did you read the book? Did you do your due diligence? So was
1: Jurassic up? Park. I found that. Holy out shit. What?
3: Wait a minute. (laughs) Michael C. Crichton. Crichton! Um, But no, I I had seen this when I was a wee one in the summer of 93 when it premiered on maybe it wasn't the summer of 93, but it was was whenever a movie of that nature would show up on Cinemax or HBO or whatever. And I remember because obviously I'd seen Jurassic Park beforehand. And to me it was sort of a crash course education oh, this is what a low budget we have no money movie looks like you know there's like one location it's a very dank poorly lit location there's very few characters and there's obviously a certain you know restraint in terms of the effects work that's not to say that what the effects that are there aren't occasionally impressive especially knowing the limitations and the gore is certainly there um you know it's 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 probably as gory as, ironically, the book Jurassic Park was. Yeah. You, even you know, skipping ahead a little bit, Crichton mentioned when the movie came out. As a cluck, you know, it's I knew it. Ha- you know, the book was super gory because it's a book. You can't have you know, you can't describe off-screen violence in a novel. Um, right. Paraphrasing, but it's something that stuck out to me. Um, but yeah, it just, I mean, it's 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 a curiosity. It's a time capsule. It's kind of funny title. But I'm not going to pretend it's some misbegotten B movie masterpiece. It's not. It's schlock. In fact, it's probably. And you might know more about this than I am. There's probably lots of other Corman movies of this nature that are better than this.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, just the one that we watched <laughs> yeah. in the
3: first episode of the Summer of '80, which I don't even remember the name of it. It was this, this, um, you know, <laughs> from Beyond or whatever.
1: Or- no, no. Yeah. What was? Do you remember? It was. Uh, I don't remember, but it was an alien type knock. Yeah, movie. and that, even that was I thought much better than Carnosaur. Yeah. Um,
3: so yeah, I mean, it's a curiosity. It's it's a point and laugh time capsule, but it's it's not particularly good or even all that entertaining in any real way. The only reason to watch to say, "Ha ha, I've seen Carnosaur."
1: Gotcha, Aaron. It stinks. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I've seen my share of Corman films and there's plenty of ones that are you know great honestly there's mm-hmm. plenty of ones that are good there's you know and there's lots of ones that are bad or you know what have you it's not it's not good it's not, it's not, I didn't have a didn't have an entertaining time watching this I much like last week which with um excessive force i I don't feel like it would benefit from suddenly having some clean you know blu-ray scan to make it like look all the better I you know it's just it's a it's a bad movie like yes you want to
3: borrow my 35 millimeter i got in the closet
0: (laughs) (laughs) it has to navigate the you know the terrain of low low budget you know scale actors you know minimal everything so it's like is there stuff to you know the thing you balance that out with is well you know maybe the interplay is at least entertaining or the kind of the mood of the thing is fine it's not it's nothing you know clint Howard shows up and i got a brief smile on my face but uh no, I did not really enjoy this um and I you know I like to find my way through movies like this when it comes to words the merit, and I was hoping I could find it. I was hoping I'd have like some kind of fun appreciating the you know the campiness of it at all. but again, I've seen other Corman movies that do that better um this This one just didn't really do much for me at all,
1: yeah, so like so for the past many years, about once a year. And usually around the time a Jurassic Park thing hits, I I go on Twitter or something, and I I demand who's going to be the brave one to release Carnosaur on Blu-ray or 4K for the first time. Vinegar Syndrome, all those people. Well, they'll be happy to know I'm going to stop doing that. Um,
0: <laughs> they do the box set with the sequels. They uh, yeah. There's like four and, of these. There's
1: there? three. Of, there's three of them. Okay. And uh, Yeah. I watched it. I haven't seen this since I I rented it on VHS probably in like 94 or something, '93. And I I never forgot the ending. The ending always stuck with me because it's so dour. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's so dark and like oh my god. It yeah. it's, a, it's a movie that's honestly not taking itself seriously, but then also like too serious enough that it's not working for most of it cuz the part with, uh, what's his name from Ed Wood and whatnot, the dentist guy? Um, Ned Bellamy. Ned Bellamy, yes. Uh, the parts with him, I'm like, oh, he's in a comedy. He's playing yes. this up. It, like He knows what's going on. But then when you get to Jennifer Runyon and the Sabarge guy, like it's like, okay. And there's no nothing there with them. Um, and Diane it's a bunch Ladder. of, Somebody. yeah, the Diane Ladd stuff is whack. It's weird. It's from some other, like, B movie thing. like none of these three scenarios that we're going between are in the same genre and that kind of hurts it and like you said Aaron when you have the low budget stuff and you can't deliver the goods the in between scenes need to be what carries it and none of them do um the effects are what you're here for and you got to wait for them and sometimes when you get them it's a guy with a puppet like like literally a guy that you I'm sure if we pause in right places you can see an arm sticking out the bottom of them or something i was um,
0: i was watching the you know the the claws and stuff and i was thinking oh this is like the hot dog fingers and everything everywhere All alike. oh gosh
1: yes <laughs> oh there's a part where she gives birth to the one i'm like what are we watching yeah. what that's is this that's
0: the other thing I there were eggs curious.
1: diane land there were eggs not I, yours I was
0: so- because I was like it's Carnosaur, it's not Jurassic Park. How do dinosaurs <laughs> enter into this storyline? It's, like, chi- ch- it's like chickens, chickens, like just manufactured
1: chickens that gone too far. I mean, I- I'll admit, I a, I'll, a... I'll admit to a couple of Snickers here. They're like the guy with the scratch on his face, like oh, get that damn chicken. I got my face.
0: Oh yeah, but it's like, not impenetrable as far as I have finding some <laughs> some glee in the fact yeah. that how dumb this is, but. You know it's 80 and minutes of dumb
1: it's, <laughs> like, yeah and you're stuck in these small dark rooms that are really small or nothing in the desert just to show we went outside like it really that makes is.
0: you wish for a super mario brothers to come along and really show you how it's done <laughs>
1: <laughs> this thing was only 82 minutes should so be careful what you wish for. bad news Aaron. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, Car- <laughs> like, I don't think I, I don't, I'm not sure I ever saw the sequels, but I did see this I have one. Not. I remember the ending. I'm going back like, oh, this could be funny to watch. Nope. Nope. I'm very disappointed in you, Carnosaur. <laughs> I was going to talk smack to Jurassic Park later, but nope, it won. It won. Um,
3: so, so your hot take is that Jurassic Park is better than Carnosaur. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that's courageous, dude.
1: I've got a uh, lot of, I've got a lot of them coming this summer. You <laughs> don't call um, Big Daddy Cane Summer for nothing. Big Daddy Summer. <laughs> Big Daddy Summer. I will
3: say that yes, I agree with you about the, the ending. It kind of threw me for a loop when I was 13. Because I mean yeah. I, I wasn't an idiot. I knew there were movies that had unhappy endings and all that jazz, but it was one of the first movies where just the good guys show up and kill everybody. It's like, oh whoa. Mm-hmm. I didn't know movies could end like that.
0: Carry on. Yeah. Well, there's... It's just, but it's but it's not bold. It's just like this is stupid. <laughs> like, yeah, but it's, it's why like, make
3: this choice? <laughs> I gave it no creative, you know, artistic credit. It just sort of, you know, again it was surprising. Yeah, I, I hear you. It's surprising
0: without having anything beyond a. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I mean, in the film history, there's there's Night of the Living Dead, a parallax view and then Carnosaur for the. Uh, yeah, that actually dour ending because I probably
3: saw this ladder. first. Not, I was aware of Night of the Living Dead. It's, it was one that I, <laughs> I I rented it when I was young maybe a year or two later. We
0: were all whatever. coming at the age at that point when we were like, ah, oh, the, the Rites of Passage, the, the Gates of Passage, all three of them, Carnosaur, Night of the Living Dead, and the Parallax View. <laughs> I think I saw them in that
3: order, too. Just since Again, I was aware that these films existed. They just, you know, this was back in the day where, you know, Parallax View, oh, that's on TCM or Bravo this afternoon. I'm going to tape that and watch it.
0: Okay, son, you've seen Carnosaur, And one
2: <laughs>
0: you'll see the Parallax view. <laughs> but not today. Not,
2: not t- today.
3: Not <laughs> Your impression of my mon- mother is wonderful.
1: Uh, oh, my gosh. Oh, so Carnosaur was not a hit for us. But on the radio for Casey How many Kasim, Oscars did he get? Top four, three. Uh, okay. <laughs> Casey Kasem's top 40.
2: Casey's Biggest thing.
1: Janet Jackson, That's the Way Love Goes, It stays at number one. bite out of the radio. Freak Me by Silk is still at number two. Number three, Knockin' to Boots by H-Town has moved up from number seven. Number four, Love Is from Vanessa Williams and Brian McKnight. He was never at one to start back up there, so that's where they're at. Um, number five is Nothing But a G-Thang by Dr. Dre. Ooh. Number six, I'm So Into You, from SWV, moving up two spots. Also moving up two spots, Looking Through Patient Eyes by PM Dawn. Number eight, SWV has another one with Week. So they're doubling up. Look out, Janet. They've got two missiles coming for you. And number nine, I Have Nothing by Whitney Houston, drops four spots. And number 10, ooh, he's falling out from number four to 10, Informer by Snow. Eat that snow. Oh, about the top ten, something like that. Oh my, that stinks. But uh, coming in, I, I you know what? <laughs> snow. The snow is truly melting because we're working on hot shots. <laughs> Part two. You know what?
0: <laughs> Just do it.
1: Oh. <laughs> Oh, we're moving on to Hot Shots Part due.
0: He was a soldier without a war until she brought
2: him out of retirement. I hope you don't mind working under a woman. Now he's going back to duty, huh? back to danger. Keep going and going. Oh! Yes, and back to her. Kiss
0: me like you've never kissed me before.
3: Ah. Hot Shots Part due.
2: rated PG thirteen. Starts Friday, May twenty first, at theaters everywhere.
1: Or maybe Top Secret Redux. I don't no, know. Do not besmirch Top Secret. <laughs> <laughs> you realize that's one of my favorite comedies of all time, right? So yes, I'm not yes. besmirching. Uh, this was directed by Jim Abrams, written by Jim Abrams and Pat Proft, starring Charlie Sheen, Valerina Golino, Lloyd Bridges, Richard Crenna, Brenda Bakke, Bach? Bacque, Bacca, 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 Miguel Ferrer. Rowan Atkinson and Mitchell Ryan, a Rambo parody in which Topper Harley leads a rescue team into Iraq to save uh Iraqi war prisoners and all their pre- previous rescue teams. Uh this one I remember had a huge marketing push or something or maybe it was just the title was like so funny that I remember this movie was just like Everywhere, like lots of trailers, lots of TV spots. You did a big cardboard thing with Charlie Sheen shooting the chicken on the arrow. Um, it's of course coming from part of the team from Airplane, and as I mentioned, Top Secret, which I was going through this noticing a lot not like the parody wise, but story beats and plot of Top Secret getting just rehashed here. Where I'd never had because I, I haven't watched Hot Shots Part Do probably since this time and i watch top secret all the time so i don't know um what did you guys would this did this hold up for you in the funnies or did you like no. it
3: back then I saw this on opening weekend when I was 13. Even then I kind of knew that this particular entry in this unofficial subgenre of Z A Z spoofs was running on fumes a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the references and parodies were really obvious. Oh, Star Wars, oh, Casablanca, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I think it has aged worse than the others, partially because and I'm not gonna sit here and argue that the hotshots movies are political screens, but You know, it certainly plays differently watching Lloyd Bridges as a dunderhead moronic president and the kind of seemingly at the time harmless no foul no whatever politics about Saddam Hussein and the Iraq invasion that would eventually lead us into another war exactly 10 years later I mean the the, the naked gun films and the hot shot films have always been a little conservative and again that's fine there's still I think the naked gun films are still very funny uh I mean
1: especially the first two
3: I the third one was never all that great but you know that's just cuz it's just not that funny of a movie
1: the third um, one was the bomb
3: oh uh, no it was a hit
1: it was the- with the fight. I'm I'm not following. It's a joke in the movie. It's been when they when it's they're weird. at the Oscars. And he, oh, it's the bomb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I just remember the the
3: oh, if the Oscars blow up, it'll be a tragedy. Unless it happens during a song and dance number, right? <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, the film Hot Shots it's, you know, production values are there. I mean, it, mm-hmm. you know, it it's, you know, obviously it's, a you know, there's not a violent, you know, it's all swashbuckling garbage, But the shootouts as they are and action scenes are well staged yeah. for what they are. It's sort of weird watching this obvious lower budget action spoof with better blocking choreography than a lot of today's $200 million action movies. And that's because I think you know comprehensibility was the name of the game, no matter what. Something that always amused me when I was a, even when I was a kid is like you know both of the films that the, the movies on screen body count gets compared to are both Paul Verhoeven films, and I wonder if that was intentional or just a random coincidence. It
1: was weird that there was a the same weekend that the follow up Sharon Stone's follow up to Basic Instinct yes. comes out. She's getting parodied in the movie across the hall from the theater. Yes.
3: And, you know, even by this time, Basic Instinct parodies were old hat. You know, National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon, which had come out several weeks beforehand in January, Mm -hmm. kind of only barely got away with it. I like that film quite a bit more than this one for a number of reasons. When I was 12, that was one of the funniest movies I'd ever seen.
0: But this film, I'm sorry? With a different Estevez in it?
3: Exactly. Um, It's also got one of the all-time great cameos in Bruce Willis. And but no, this film, I think it's you know I don't think Hot Shots is as good as the Naked Gun movies. I certainly don't think Hot Shots Part is as, is as good as Hot Shots. I think this is where the formula started to feel kind of old hat and gasping for air. And I don't think it's coincidence This is one of the last ones that they did before the subgenre sort of got you know where it was just Leslie Nielsen and this spoof directed by somebody else or you know where it became its own disconnected subgenre to mostly diminishing returns and nominal that's somebody else talk
1: <laughs> Aaron TBS very funny
0: I remember Hot Shots part 2 Hot Shots part 2 feels like the world treats it the way Hot Fuzz treats Bad Boys 2 like it's the only one that exists like it feels like there's very little reference to Hot Shots but Hot Shots part 2 when I was growing up was like i always knew about this movie i'd seen them both at some point i don't remember much of them so i didn't see them i didn't until now it's like the first time i've seen it again um i did a little experiment because i watched uh, and i was like well let me watch hot shots might as well it's a comedy what am i gonna do Bare my upside outside i did that and i was like well let me watch navy seals just to see what charlie sheen is like doing the same thing but without comedy uh that movie's god awful um,
2: like that, that
0: movie's terrible. <laughs>
1: Navy SEALs.
0: Like people should be ashamed. Like I feel like <laughs> if, I, if, I, if, I, if, I, if I if I if I if I'm right, I feel like between that and the abyss, just because it didn't do as well as other James Cameron movies, those that period single handedly ruined Michael Bean's chances of being a bigger movie star. No, yeah, I, yeah. Like that's that's what did it. Like between the abyss not doing great and then Navy SEALs being a starring vehicle he's just like, yeah, no, <laughs> we're, just, we're done with this. Uh, but Charlie Sheen survived. Um, uh, hot shots. I, I like quite a bit. And this one, honestly, I like about the same. I don't, I, you know, having grown up watching the Leslie Nielsen movies specifically, it really, that really did become a lot of diminishing returns for me, uh, watching wrongfully accused and what have you <laughs> like spy hard. I, I haven't seen in forever. I can't imagine it being very good, but I, I mean, it has, like, Andy Griffiths, the back, like, there's, like, there's stuff there, and then from then on, it's like, we're still doing this, huh? and it just wasn't, so, like, watching Do, I was curious, it's like, is this gonna be, like, in that same realm, but no, I was pretty delightfully pleased with how much I enjoyed it, I can't disagree with Scott as far as how obvious things may seem, or what have you, but, like, I can't, d- you know, I was laughing, so, like, if I'm if I'm laughing at a movie like this, yeah, it's it's the laughs are there the laughs are there i and i i agree as far as just the craft that goes into movies like this because if you're gonna parody t2 for example and you're gonna make it look as you better make it look as good as you can and i do think between what i assume is some footage that they've taken from t2 mixed with like whatever they you know did to recreate like t1000 stuff it's like there's the effort here i like what's being done to like make this represent the thing that they're they doing.
1: want it to look genuine yeah yeah
0: yeah and so that's why yeah when it gets to like the rambo stuff yeah it looks like cool shootouts in the way that you'd hope a movie like in this realm could accomplish so you don't just feel like it's you know, Saturday night live sketch. Like it, it, feels like, Oh, there's a, there's a genuine like efforts being put in here. Uh, you, but you can, on Lloyd Bridges. I, I Lloyd Bridges is innocent in my book. He's very funny in both of these yeah. movies. I think he's really killing it. Uh, playing him between him and Nielsen. Like the, the Zaz really tapped into finding risk. They're both in airplane, like finding respectable actors that can just pull off this stuff. And you just get the joke. Like I, I first got
1: to die loses. Like,
0: it's one thing to, like, compare it to, like, now, but it's, like, the, the lines that he's reading and the delivery, it's it's so, it's so beyond, like, how this, you know, looks next to, like, what's going on in today's politics. Like, I don't, whatever. Like, this is just funny. Like, Lloyd is being a complete fool. I really enjoyed that. Um, we'll talk more about Sheen, I'm sure, because I want to hear, Brandon, what you think. But, like, no, I... For a movie like this, where there's so many like specific references you have to make, and you wonder how well does that hold up 30 years later, I was happy that like because that they get it, like you know that's why Airplane works now. Like it's not a, like yes, there are obviously things of the time, but it's far less than like you know date movie or whatever, where it's just like what happened two weeks ago that'll never be referenced again. Like this, like there's just genuine comedy that just would always be funny for the most part. That I yeah I enjoyed. So. I do think. And again you know i I, I everyone in this film
3: is good, you know sure. this is really hard comedy to do, whether mm-hmm. it's Charlie Scene or Valerie Galino or you know everyone else. you know this is some of the hardest acting that I can imagine, and i just I thought Lloyd Bridges was funnier or maybe put bet, to better use in the first picture
2: that's um um
0: you know who's really good in the, I just not cuz before I forget it uh, Miguel Ferrer Oh yeah he's very terrific good at this. Like,
1: <laughs> They like, lo- no, they love him so much there's that moment where he just stands up and goes "War it's fantastic" which should have been on the cutting room floor or something but you know they were just like man could you just sit up and say that and you're just screwed around on set and it wound up in the movie
0: he's a really good like straight man comedy actor like he's like cuz he does that in Twin Peaks also he has like such a and even like RoboCop to an extent, he has such an intensity yeah. to him, but he but like between him and the film who which is a Verhoven film. Uh, between him and the filmmakers, they just seem to know how to like dial it just the right way where he can deliver with maximum intensity, knowing that it's going to be comedic to some degree. Um I do think this one was a bit more pop culture focused than the other
2: ones. And I think
3: that's part of why I didn't love it when I was 13 and I don't particularly like it now. That being said. In the sense that this is a retrospective podcast, it was fun kind of being reminded of what was in the news at that point in time. Yeah, sure. like oh, that's right, George Bush puked on the Japanese prime minister. Yep. I forgot all about that.
0: <laughs> like like Hot, Hot Shots is so specifically like Top yeah. Gun, yeah. with like stuff. Yeah. This is a lo- this is way looser as far as that goes. Yeah, it also um, reminded me of something like I guess it's just a parody they did at this point because like Ace Ventura and Nature Calls has the whole like you know, you left everything behind and has to come back. Like, it's just like, that's a, yeah. It's an intriguing comedic <laughs> setup for a lot of mm-hmm. people.
3: Well, it- well and in this one, it's obviously it's, you know, it's Rambo three doing in a nutshell. Um, sorry, you were saying,
1: no, I'm saying it's got its own plot. Still. It's got a basis for things, but it, it's not completely driven by the parodies, which would happen in the late nineties, early two thousands yeah. ones with that. And, um, the, thi- the thing I like ab- about it too is like everybody in these commits to playing the drama and for some reason there's some genius behind like Lloyd Bridges like his commitment to his character as buffoonery as much of a buffoon as he is he's committed he's not like I'm in a comedy movie he's selling yeah. it like that and, That's and, why
0: Nielsen and him work always Right <laughs>
1: and I gotta... But to like charlie sheen doesn't necessarily work in a drama as much but like in this this is ace i think we overlook and great he hasn't been in anything for like years but like don't appreciate like what like of a comedic talent he really is um and especially here he's doing stuff that nobody else could pull off like just absolutely he's taking he's you know He's the same here as he is in a drama kind of but that's why he works here he'll and the, the floatiest thing he could work in is like something like the chase that he did with uh, Christy Swanson. Swanson. yeah the, those type of movies he works best yeah. in and here and then you know we do you know he did that sitcom that I didn't care for for many years but you know he's a funny guy he
0: I mean it was certainly popular I mean that was, he yeah. was a big part of that. so it's Yeah he's
1: a big part of that he's he's a he's a really uh he, he, really knows, good he, has good comedy.
0: he has good comic timing. He gets it. Yeah.
1: I mean, if you watch it, like, 16 Candles or, uh, or Ferris Bueller, he's yeah. h- hilarious in that Yeah, he's movie. terrific in that. Well, even in, like,
0: Navy Seals, which, again, is abhorrent. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's very much the best part of it. Like, he knows what he's doing. Oh. I mean, there's... You no, know, I, I think... Because like, he's, you know, he's a handsome guy. Like, he knows how to, like, play into you know, let himself be looking ridiculous mm-hmm. it, being able to make you know he's like he, he worked out like intensely for this for hot shots part dude he yep. ripped in this movie but he's also you know a moron like it's it's very <laughs> it's, it's not an easy test to pull off i completely yeah. agree and um,
1: i i gotta say i i did enjoy this like aaron but i think the best thing that happened for me with this is i don't think i've seen it since the theater and uh you know having the distance from it and i i'll giggle every f- couple minutes that's it's great and then i forget the the american gladiators during the finale i was like oh that was oh yeah that's what kid's gonna watch this pick this up now and be like what the fuck is that yes that's an obstacle course um your fave gene gina carano did that in the reboot hey nobody hears fave that was a you listener that might have ever the um that, that but, whole gag with
0: him and Martin Sheen kills me every single time. I think it's such a wonderful. Setup yeah. As as, like, him <laughs> reading, and then another narration bleeds into his yeah. Like it's
1: just, That like, is it's my not, favorite. It's gag. not
0: just the Wall Street line. It's like the whole setup of yep. doing that. It's just, I think really well constructed.
1: I loved you in Wall Street. <laughs> uh, well, I, I also, I mean, there was stuff like, I like seeing Ryan Stiles, who's from the Drew Carey show and who's like, I've never seen him in anything. He's in I'm both sure. of
0: these He's in both Hot Shots yeah. and as different yeah. characters, which amused me when I watch both of these movies.
1: <laughs> and and there's a great exchange there too. He's he like Topper, what are you reading? Great Expectations. How is it? Eh, it's not all I hope for. <laughs> <laughs> in those bits, I mean, again, you know, it's, it's,
3: that's the stuff I like. Yeah, I felt there was more reliance on the in-your-face pop culture stuff. Yeah. That, I, I, you know and That's always been up at mine. even when I was a kid. It's like, yeah. it's, it's, I almost feel like I'm being insulted
0: because I'm expected to go,
3: ha I know that. Oh, I, I,
0: yeah. I entirely agree with you. Yeah. The Abrams and them, they do know their way around this stuff. Yeah. It, it faded eventually. Like, the, la- like, scary movie three is fine, but the, la- the others, I guess only four. Five wasn't them at that point, but four. I didn't see five.
3: Yeah, four, no. But I'll say something about four. And this goes to something you and Brandon were talking about that, you know, there's a riff on War of the Worlds where the special effects kind of compare to the Spielberg film. Hmm. I mean, obviously they're cheaper. Obviously you're not, you know, but it works in that world. There's like, you know, this is an approximation of incredibly expensive special effects and it works.
0: I can agree that it works as well as it needs to comparably. To like something like this with T two, yeah. It, it, um, it, they don't. It's not insultingly bad in the way that yeah. like Meet the Spartans or whatever the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: but no, I, I I don't hate this movie. It's a situation where it's like, why doesn't this resonate to the extent that some of the other ones in this? Because I grew up loving these. You know, this this was you know my mm-hmm. favorite subgenre of comedy growing up. Um,
1: well, because you got your pat, your pat on the back. Now they make legacy sequels that do that. Uh, like, oh, I know Star Wars. That's, that's cool. Uh, I'll say I'll say one signifier here that the times are ending for it is that they actually have Richard Krenna in this, and he's a full blown yeah. character throughout the movie. And normally, when you do this, you get the guy to act like Richard Krenna type or parody him, unless he's just there to be a cameo. For you a know. second, like so, like yes. Wayne's, Wayne's World, when Robert Patrick shows up with the "Have you seen this boy?" and then he's not in the rest of the picture. That's fine. That's that's cool. You got the cameo because it was that guy. And then this is like he's there the whole time, and it's like this is it's funny when he shows up. And you go, "Oh, it's Richard Greta, Just like, oh, and he's here the whole time. He's a character. Yeah. So yeah, but of,
3: he's playing the same character, literally it, 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 the same yeah, character.
1: Literally yeah. the same character.
0: It amuses me that it just, this movie has Richard Krenna and like Predator doesn't. Like <laughs> they had right. they have an approximation of credit for Predator with RG Obstruck. And then <laughs> but Hard Shot's part two is like, get credit in here. <laughs> and I'm, I think like I think like they asked Stallone about this or something like to that yeah. degree. Like the, the guy he gave him like a kind of a thought, basically a thumbs up. Like, yeah, whatever, like I approve. <laughs> Yeah, not, not as not
1: as funny as I am, but you know, you guys- oh yeah, he
0: was he was he was um, putting the script together for Oscar too. Mm-hmm.
1: Oscar, yeah, more Oscars. But, but yeah, no, I I like I think I I don't know which one I like. I went back to Hot Shots as well before I watched this one because you know you gotta you gotta know what's going on. From Hot Shots to go. Hot Shots, Shots
0: is a better m- movie overall. But yeah. Like, I enjoyed both watching both of these. Hot Shots has some pretty good uh, yeah. the, There's a bit, sorry, because it's too, but it's just like when they have, what's his name? Tim Allen's Home Improvement's Tim Allen's brother in that show. He's like mm-hmm. the case, like dead meat, or something, I believe. It oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and like they have like all of these things laying out, like oh, I, I got the life insurance form. I'll give it to you after. Like <laughs> it's all this like stuff. Oh no, to, like, I'll finally keep finally it in, in my who pocket. I
2: found a new kill Won't believe right who's here. involved.
0: And he goes up in the air and everything, and then he's, like, in a crash, and they have this whole thing behind, like, Tap Topper and the wife who's there, and she's like, don't look, and they have, like, a mirror behind her, so she turns yeah. her around, <laughs> and she looks at the mirror, and it sees the plane <laughs> <laughs> It's
1: like, oh my god! It's an like, obvious gag, but, like, done so well.
3: Yeah, so, it, it, it goes
1: You're to like, a, you
3: know, Sideshow Bob stepping on Rake's level. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, hot um,
1: Shots uh, yeah. The,
0: the chicken gag works. Like, that's <laughs> fine. I mean, it gives. It's so much build up to this moment. It's like okay. <laughs> uh, oh, and
3: then Rowan Atkinson shows up the last minute. Yeah. I mean, he's a terrific comic actor anyway. But it's like he's playing it exactly right. Right, yeah. he's almost playing it better than everybody else.
0: As the, as yeah, I don't mean that with any disrespect. British person. <laughs> yeah,
3: it's like he's playing it like it's a grim dark drama, but you know, correctly.
0: I just, cause I, I had not seen this from forever. So I'm like, yeah. he's like seventh build. It's like, is going to be in here. And it's like, when's Rowan Atkinson going to get
1: into this movie? Three scenes oh. at the end. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, well, all fun must come to an end. Right. Brandon? Right. right. <laughs> all fun must come to an end. And you know, we, we, we won't get his thoughts on hot shots part two, but we will get, uh, another tale from, uh, Yancey Burns Tales from the Video Store. the, to video. Bring the
3: good times home.
2: This is kind of a sad one, but i am gonna say it. <laughs> uh, I uh, Albert, is it Pion or Pune? the director I think Albert it's pune
1: it's it's pune
2: okay i have been calling him pion for about 25 years cuz yeah. my friend steve who was my friend at the time and figures into a few of these stories but who is was now for some reason my mortal enemy i haven't seen him in 20 years but whenever i oh whenever i've managed to get anything published i did a star wars article defending the prequels about 10 years ago that was on luke thompson's site mm-hmm. and I, I for me it got some good it got it got it got around and the only response I got negatively was someone calling it a bunch of bullshit. And when I looked really close, I realized it was him, it was Steve, who I hadn't seen in many years, my friend. You can we all want some Wall say his last name. But I was hurt at first, and then I realized who it was. I go, Oh my god, Steve. You're still out <laughs> there, you're alive. <laughs> and you're, son of you're a bitch! <laughs> he's become a complete right wing, crazy right wing, you know, guy, gun gun guy. And like, you know, he's uh he's my mortal enemy. But he was one of the funniest people I ever knew. And so he's he's involved in a few of these stories. Anyway, he and I were at a Laserdiscs rental store that was in Torrance for a while in the 90s. It was run by this windsurfer guy who didn't like me much for some reason. He never liked me, even though I spent a lot of money in his store. He always seemed to like not like me. Mm -hmm. We were in there. Maybe this is why. This is probably why. I was in there with Steve one time. We were spending probably an hour and a half, two hours just flipping through the rentals kind of laughing at shit like good dumb young guys will do just laughing at like oh look at this movie haha we'd always rent or buy something but we just happened to be making fun of albert pune movies and and then uh like 20 minutes later i went up to buy something and and the guy all the store was like you know that that's that was albert pune that was back there shopping like the whole time like how, you did you guys realize that? I'm like, oh, geez. no, I've never, I wouldn't even know what he looked like. I had no idea. He might've been fucking with us. Yeah. But I don't think so. Cause I know that Albert Pion was re was in the, lived in the South Bay. Like I did. Yeah. And I also knew that he was a, like, a, a. I would see him at laser blazer, which was the laser disc store that everybody went to in, in the, on the West side of LA in the nineties, mm-hmm. like the, the big celebrities who were renting laser discs would go to either blazer, laser blazer or to Dave's video. Um, Antonio Banderas would like, have an account there. You know? oh. um, but, but anyway, yeah, that's, it was a sad story, but I, I, it, it happened. Yeah. Because um, later he died, and I felt bad. And then I saw, you know, last year I saw Sword and the Sorcerer. I actually really liked it, even though I know mm-hmm. someone died on it. I was like, this is actually a pretty well-made little Junkie B movie. So, I mean, I don't want to use this story because it's mean, but there you go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Yancy. Uh We are now at our final movie. The big one for the weekend, summer has begun because Sliver is in theaters. You
3: say you're moving in today. Welcome to 113. You like it here? At 113 East 38th Street. Oh! They're doing it! The view from the outside. Let me see, let me see. Is nothing. If you look at her, she's a boy here. She can't get him out. Compared to the view inside. But you never know. I watch you all the time. Who's watching? Sharon Stone, William Baldwin, Tom Berenger. Sniffer, rated R. Starts Friday, May 21st at theaters everywhere.
1: Directed by Philip Noyce. Noyce. Uh, <laughs> written by <laughs> Joe House on a novel by Ira Levin. Another a novel adaptation this week. Was Hot Shots Part 2 a novel? It was based on Dickens. Based on First Blood. Based Gosh. on Rambo 3, based on uh, <laughs> sequel to movie based on First Blood. Characters. By, huh? by,
0: by Sapphire.
1: By Sapphire, yes, uh, starring Sharon Stone, William Baldwin, Tom Berenger, Polly Walker, Colleen Camp, Amanda Foreman, Martin Lando and C C H Pounder. <laughs> A woman moves into an exclusive New York City apartment building, which she soon discovers houses tenants with all manner of shocking secrets. Wise man say only fools rush in to apartments moving in. So, oh Sliver, who who saw this in the theater? Oh, nobody got off their butts to go see Sliver, but we went and saw Hot Shots. Yeah, we did. Yeah, literally. Yeah, I couldn't get my. Wanted to go see Sliver with my mom, but I don't know.
0: I um. I hate this title. I hate that it's called Sliver. It doesn't roll off the tongue. You think, wait, Silver? No, Slither? That's a horror movie. Sliver, which sounds like it could be a horror movie. It's not. It's just a bad
1: movie. Um, It sounds dirty, sexual, and that's what they want you to do. And they have Sharon Stone (laughs) on the poster, and you know she takes her shirt off and has sex with dudes. That's what they're getting you into the theater for. That was her M.O. Right after Basic Instinct was, oh, yeah. This
0: movie's bad. Yeah, it's, it's it's not good. I don't know if it's worse than Carnosaur, but it certainly enters the conversation. Um there's I can't imagine there's a if there's a worse Esther House film as far as what he's bringing, even like the really bad ones have like camp value. I don't exactly see the midnight screenings for Sliver taking place too often. So
1: they got their run on showtime back in the
0: 90s there's a there's a giant lack of charisma circling around so many people in this movie that really bothered me like you know like stone is the star so it's like i get it but like you know when you can't get anyone else you get billy baldwin and that's that's what happens here and it's kind of a vacuum of energy it felt like especially given the climax of this thing where I'm supposed to, like, you know, care about anything going on is like, oh, no, what's is he menacing? Not really. Like Tom Berringer had the menace. They, Who's he going
1: to be? Who's he going to be? This asshole dangerous guy or this asshole dangerous guy? And
0: I guess is this like the last time like Tom Berringer's in something like this? I mean, IP. I guess. it's like- he makes his movies, he, well. Like,
1: he starts making his bread and butter off movies like this throughout the rest of the decade. They won't go to like big. They won't be big wide releases, and a lot of them go straight to video. <laughs>
0: well, at this point, he's just he's like supporting, so it's like he's not even like lead anymore. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's a he's a he's a he's got this like manly presence. So he's like kind of these. It's not fat. He's just like he's a big guy. And it's, it's just it's weird that he's like here with like all this like spiky energy, like he's Steven Lang and Manhunter. And it's like, I don't know if you fit this kind of role. <laughs> like it's just weird. Like <laughs> you be here, being this kind of guy that seems like he'd be a dweeby stalker, but you're fucking Tom Barringer. <laughs> like you're built like a truck. <laughs> like, it's weird that you're here. Um, this story's nonsense. Um, I've heard about an alternate ending. I, whatever, <laughs> I don't I don't know if there's a better way to conclude this thing, because the whole, it's, like, on the cusp of being a, like, cyber-thriller, it seems like it wants to almost, but, then, but doesn't, like, know what to do with that, it's just, like, what if we watched people, a- and... <laughs> um, <laughs> there is no end <laughs> I was struggling to understand like going on this it's like oh I guess there's like some kind of murder plot or something. it's like not really it's just kind of people exist for a while and then things happen so
1: there, there's parties and there's like going to the office yeah.
0: yeah so I don't have many good things to say about this movie
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's a big mess of a nothing um, yeah, I mean, this, this was
3: obviously the cash-in after Basic Instinct, both for Sharon Stone and for the genre that is the erotic thriller. Um, and while I do not think in any way, shape, or form this is a good picture... I do think it is an interesting contrast to Basic Instinct in the same way that Girl on the Train, which I do like more or less, is a contrast to Gone Girl in which the former is a fantastical, over-the-top, almost wish-fulfillment fantasy variation on that kind of melodrama, while the latter is – this is how the story would play out in the real world. It sucks! Yeah. (laughs)
1: Like Girl
3: on a Train. Um, And – I mean, it's, it's again, it's 30 years ago, and, and while I'm sure women who saw the film back then would very much tell you that, yes, both Tom Berenger and Billy Baldwin were creepy psychos who, you wouldn't, who made them feel very uncomfortable, I do wonder if the male filmmakers at that point in time were like, well, Billy Baldwin's supposed to be the nice one. Um, because <laughs> he is almost set up as sort of the comparatively better choice in terms of not being as aggressive of a stalker before you
0: find out that he's taping everybody, but
1: even before that, you like, find yeah. out he's taping people a lot or wait, yeah. early.
0: There's that like restaurant scene where I was like, get away from this man, like,
1: yeah, yeah.
3: It's it's mm-hmm. it's it's creepy then, it's creepy now, but I, you know, again, I am curious. How the filmmakers thought they were, you know, back then.
0: That's fair, but like, um, is, is Stone a producer on this? I forget. I don't know. I don't. Um, I do not think she was there r- yet. R- r- fair enough, but I'm coming off of Basic Instinct. Like, one would, you know, she. I imagine she has a lot of choice in her life at that point. It's like I just don't know what like she'd see in this script as like, you know, forwarding anything. Like, I get being pigeonholed, but it's like.
1: Maybe it was already there? I I would guess,
3: and I'm speaking out of Before, turn, but it was a matter of probably somebody, you know, do you want to do a movie that cashes in on basic instinct? We're going to pay you a shit ton of money to do it. Strike while the iron's hot. And frankly, in her shoes, I probably would have done the same thing. I mean well, this. This is her getting
1: leads. She was the yeah. like basically before this, like anything people would go to see her, and she was like the side chick in an action movie, like yes. Action Jackson, Total Recall, Above the Law, Alan Quatermain. There's like two of those. Yeah, she's Steven Seagal's wife in Above the Law.
0: I, I'm partially like informed by the fact that I don't think Starring sounds particularly that great of an actress. Uh, yeah. But I, think there are I highlights.
3: would agree. I think yeah. she's fine. But, uh, but I don't I I don't think with the... Arguable exception of a rec- or uh, Basic Instinct, I don't think she ever elevates the material. And that's fine. There's a gillion actors you could say that about. Basic they um, instinct, they do their job, they go home.
1: That gives her a decade's worth of like meaty roles and her choice of yes. stuff. And
0: well, the thing I was going to say too is yeah. that after Sliver, you know, like Casino is on the way at yep. this point. Like the,
3: you know. Yeah. I, I thought she was fine in that. I'm still annoyed that, you know, who cares, but that she got a nom over Nicole Kimmon to die for that year. Uh, but whatever.
1: Yeah. Oh, I mean. It,
3: wait, sure. did you get her lead? Uh, yeah. But wait.
1: No, so so would have been supporting, and he'd no, yeah.
3: okay. be supporting. Yeah. What the cool. hell? Would place your anger Glo- somewhere else? Maybe it was Golden Globe where she won Best Actress in a Comedy or something. Oh. Okay, you know what? Maybe I will have to cut this out because I may be. Cause I, I do You'll remember when I was sixteen. <laughs> when I was sixteen years old, I remember thinking that for whatever reason that Sharon Stone got the nomination that Cole Kidman should have got.
1: And I, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, she's
0: decidedly a supporting role. I guess, yeah, you
3: know? yeah, no, yeah. I absolutely agree with you. So now I'm confused to why I would think that 20, 30 years ago. We'll get, anyway, get, whatever get nominated
0: for Quicken the Dead that year. <laughs>
3: uh. <laughs> Um but as for the movie I mean the thing that stood out about it is as bad as it is and it is bad it is boring it looks gorgeous and it's incredibly well made in that you know and again not to be a broken record you know the you know the, a certain level of craft and polish and and art and and production yep. value that we used to take for granted yep even in these Entirely disposable '90s genre films, like even in you know 2010 when I first saw Jade for the first time when it was on Blu-ray, and I'm not going to pretend that's a good movie. It's not, but even then I was thinking you know, I already miss you know it's like you know you know I miss these kind of movies,
1: huh. and that was no know even years noticed, ago. Friedkin can direct a movie. I've... Yeah, that's what I've been told.
0: Apparently, uh, um, some car chases to Jade. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um,
3: but that being said, I mean this is not even this doesn't even deliver in terms of the pulpy thrills. It's a thriller with no thrills. Cuz there's no mystery here. Yeah, there? There's there's like mm-hmm. the, I guess people die the murder the subplot is almost irrelevant, which is you know, a little insulting I suppose
0: if you will. By the way, Casino she was nominated for leading actress which I is, knew it. That's just category fraud. I'm sorry. <laughs> I knew it.
3: <laughs> Thank you for vindicating me. But Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's as a cultural time capsule, because this film, skip ahead a second, you know, it was number one at the box office in its opening weekend. It did around like $12 million. And this was very that much a case team. of the next big one after the breakout benefiting, just like in the way that the grudge opened huge two years after the rig. But then that was basically the peak of the genre in terms of bankability.
0: That's right. So and, you know, quality, commercially speaking. Because quality, we know, Scott, is deep water.
3: Oh yes, of course.
0: I'm being serious. I know few. I I am
1: too.
3: We've only deep water. (laughs) Deep water fan club here. (laughs) Uh, Membership three. But as far as erotic thrillers, I know there's a lot of discourse online about you know why don't they make more erotic thrillers? Blah blah blah. And commercially, they were never all that. Unless you had like Michael Douglas as the oppressed white man fighting for his right to bone whoever he wants. Or you had a, Robert you know, Redford s- and uh, Robert Denny Redford, Debbie Noel, by chance. Yeah, some combination <laughs> of like five people. And, you know, Esther says was involved, or, you know, it's, it's some of the, uh, you know, there's only about maybe a half a dozen movies that reach that level of I
0: was going to say, you're narrowing your success. If only you had these things that amount to five movies that exist. Those are the ones, that's when you're a hit. Yeah. <laughs> job, Scott. Way to narrow down to those five movies. Like- you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Dinosaur movies don't really work unless, I don't know, it has Jurassic in the title.
2: (laughs) You know, isn't that the
3: question? Is like, why don't they, you know, because you've mentioned this, both of you, and I think you're right. Like, why don't they make more dinosaur movies? You, you think, why would they, why did they let Jurassic have the monopoly
0: on that? For because the people sort of complain of about years. them. They put a bunch of dinosaurs in King Kong and we're like, these dinosaurs don't look real. Yeah, they're dinosaurs. They're not fucking real. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's
3: why, you know, I, I'll be very curious to see how Adam, well, by the time this airs, we'll already know, but how Adam Driver versus the dinosaurs is going to perform in March.
0: Well, that's why he let his hair grow so people can focus on that. Hmm. Yes, exactly. exactly. Um, um, no, Go ahead.
1: No, I I yeah, What do
0: you think I, of this pile of crap, but so
1: like so this opened up with uh one of my biggest complaints that wish fulfillment wouldn't happen for another 2 years after this, but there's a woman thrown off a building in this movie. This movie is clearly rated R, but nope, she has to on her way down hit some glass ceiling garden room and then we don't even see her hit, which is always my complaint, these movies like we never see a person hit the ground. To a golden eye with Sean Bean when he actually the in the line
3: of fire. At uh, a few months, All you right. will see John Malkovich slam on the floor of the elevator. I don't.
1: I don't. I don't think I had seen that at this po- at I've, that I've point. I've forgotten. i forgotten this. Um, but, I
2: like
1: but but I was, yes, like, generally you're correct. You know, why were they always bracing? The, these were the really evil or poor people <laughs> that just, you know make it horrific. Uh, so yeah, some
0: photography of a person falling to be like, see, it's mm-hmm. not a dummy,
1: <laughs> yeah. So, I first quarter of this movie, I was kind of enjoying a little bit of it because there was this sort of American, like, <coughs> American. For a sliver of the movie, there was this American, like, Neo Jallo thing going on here. Like, the way the characters are, the story and presentation was evoking, like, some, like, Sergio Martino, like, Argento stuff, uh, while also feeling like a, like, glorified Cinemax movie, which I'm sure this would end up playing, like, gangbusters on Cinemax. Um, But there's this, like, nothing after, like, that, it's like, it had, like, like Aaron said, they stopped at like watching people. These security cams. Okay, what does that mean? What can we learn by it? What's it t- no? He just does that, and he's creepy. It's like his mom. He likes to he likes to bang women that look like his mom. Oh, okay. So, and then there's like this poor script where like you can tell some old codgers trying to be cool with Like. I believe I wrote it down. Billy Baldwin says she asked what he does. He goes, "I design computer video games." <laughs> yes. Woo. Uh, 1993. Woo! Wow! Only to be outdone by Mario coming. He, does he
3: call it the Nintendo Entertainment System? Oh uh, gosh, he probably. Oh my god!
0: <laughs> to impress people,
1: <laughs> I design computer video games. I'm like, so like, at the time, it's like. Duke Nukem or are we talking Math Munchers Oregon Trail Monkey Island motherfucker Monkey Island but yeah and um <laughs> Billy Baldwin the original gross slip into your DMs kind of guy is that what he Basically yeah I don't like ed- like I should at least be convinced that Billy Baldwin like I suspect him but I like him for at least some point. I never do. I never do in this. Tom Berenger comes in way too fucking hot to where I don't even care if he dies in the end. Like, mm-hmm. get these guys. Like, she's going to lose no matter what choice she makes in this movie. <laughs> like, it's bad. Um, and then it's, yeah, we've all seen a mystery before this. So we're not dumb, but the movie thinks we're a little bit dumber. But it's, yeah, it, I... I was hoping to go back and be like, "All right, well, solid little thriller here." Don't make mm-hmm.
0: them like these anymore. Thank God.
3: Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's no jade. Don't get me wrong.
1: Right, <laughs> it's no jade. Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, there's this is just you know the the victory lap of basic instinct for Sharon Stone, but luckily she'd have quick in the dead in a little bit, um, and yeah, and casino good stuff coming for her, but this was. Ooh, Right after,
3: oh. it's like, for what it's worth, I enjoyed the Diabolik remake she did in '96. Yeah,
1: uh, I remember that with old Kathy.
3: And then, other than that, I can't remember. I'll be honest. I well, oh, obviously, Sphere the Specialist Sphere. in '94, which was not mm-hmm. good. No, oh. Sphere Scott. Sphere. Oh God, she was in Sphere. I forget. I honestly I yeah. forgot she was in Sphere.
1: She's in Sphere, and then she had the. Uh, <laughs> she had the, the what was the prison movie that they were like Oscar. Oscar? Oh, that's right. This is her "Dead Man Walking." It was not. It was not. No,
0: nope. I forget. Um, was like wasn't that like a, a Gloria? Not a remake. Yes,
3: she did do a remake of Gloria, mm-hmm. which was harmless, if I recall. God's Fear, one of the worst Michael Crichton adaptations based of on a good of my book. Of his books. That's my favorite. I mean, I'm not going to say it's the best, but it's it was that summer of '93. Skipping ahead a little bit, when you know the summer of Jurassic, where I read all the Crichton books, Spear was my favorite.
1: Hmm. Sphere was great. I, I remember liking that one a lot. Because, um, yeah, you, you, immediately after Jurassic Park, you read Congo and Sphere. Those were the two you go right to. The <laughs> RP
3: is, I liked the Congo movie, and I
0: hated the Sphere movie. Um, the Muse is the other like stuff. Oh,
3: bit. right, right, with Albert Brooks. In Sphere, the movie came out 25 years ago. It was one of many movies that got steamrolled by Titanic. Yes. Never, hashtag never an absolution.
0: Which... I, which- wouldn't have happened if they like made sphere earlier, but they had like fights with Levinson about it. So he's like, fuck it. I'm going to do wag the dog. And so he makes that movie, which which is what it does. (laughs)
1: Uh, uh, But yeah, uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll regroup with Sharon stone here in a few weeks um, on the show to talk about her show, show up again. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, but uh, in the meantime, Scott, it is time for the box office. So, how did our new ones fare, and how did the previous ones do?
3: Sliver opened at number one at the domestic box office, earning twelve point one million dollars on two thousand theaters. It, it would eventually it would be relatively front loaded by modern by you know those standards. Uh, it would earn just thirty six million domestic. Um, I don't have the worldwide in front of me, so let me cheat and go to wiki. Fifty-five. Fifty-five. Mm-hmm. Which because back then movies actually cost money. I'm guessing, I'm this guessing, cost no, I'm, I'm around guessing fifty. I
0: don't know what it actually is.
3: Uh, no, it made a hundred and sixteen million worldwide. Oh, geez, no. on, this, on a forty million dollar budget. So this was a big hit.
0: We were right. wrong. Fair that enough. back that backdraft. Backdraft. Yeah. Wait,
3: what? Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Speaking of which, are there any other Baldwin movies this summer? Billy Ball or just Baldwin in general?
1: Yeah, Baldwin in general.
0: We already had Malice,
1: right? Yeah. Here. Um, mm. No, because remember we found out we were talking either off air on the show last week that Alec was around the summer. He had a couple. Yes. Years. Yeah. I around. think
0: that was that was closer November ish. So
1: what about and when- we had Billy last week, so yes, or we had Stephen Stephen last,
0: yeah. last week. Yeah. But um um Daniel, where's Daniel doing? They're he's like, doing oh.
3: homicide life on the street.
0: Yeah, he's,
3: there he's doing right the now. prestige TV show that nobody watches, but now everybody pretends that they watched it back then.
0: All the bastards. D brothers, all the D brothers, do the prestige TV. Daniel Baldwin, Donnie Wahlberg, <laughs> 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 and then there's Adam Baldwin,
3: who apparently watched Sliver and said, "I'd like to be like these people."
0: Unrelated.
1: That Billy Baldwin character really knew what was up.
0: You know, you know how you know Adam Baldwin isn't related to a Baldwin? Because he looks nothing like the yes. other <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> anyway, Hotshots Bardeur
3: opened at number two with ten point two million dollars. Good, good. Um yeah, I was surprised. I everybody I mean, even you know, I was thirteen and still paying attention to this shit. We all we all assumed it would open number one to kick off the summer. But the sliver was tops, because back then, say it with me, adults went to adult movies in the theaters. Um, it would eventually earn $39 million domestic, and $134 million worldwide. So another just hugely profit on a $25 million budget.
1: They could have made a Hot Shots 3. This is just, I mean, and we're probably going to
3: have this a lot this summer. It just reminds you how ridiculously profitable Movies were back Mm -hmm. then, because you had the, you know, this was back when a big budget was, you know, $50 million. And yet films of all shapes and sizes could crawl to 100, 150, 200 worldwide. I mean, you know, even even films that, you know, like Hot Shots Part 2, that's a film that made almost six times its budget without breaking a sweat. I And that doesn't count. A robust video market that doesn't count you know hbo and network tv and cable tv and all that shit in the lifeline that now barely exists because they went all in for streaming
1: i have a question if they if they went ahead and made a hot shots part three trey or twa whatever trey if if the first one's top gun the second one is oh. rambo three what what are they doing for the the third one here? Well, they'd have to do Top Gun Maverick because that's the popular. No, no, I meant in the night. No, say it's.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. They already do T2 in in Do. So you can't lean sci-fi. I don't think, but I think that would be the way you would lean. Because
1: I was going to say <laughs> under under siege, but that happened the year before, so that wouldn't yeah, it's
0: work. Also, I don't think a, that's that an exciting move for them. It's like now even
1: that's like a die-hard movie. Yeah, yeah. It's
0: like what do you do with that? You'd have to.
3: Could you do a diehard, a, a knockoff on a satire of diehard knockoffs?
1: That's what you'd have to which, maybe maybe wait a which few years. I'm and shocked. Speed, no one ever might did. There. Speeds might be there.
3: But Am I forgetting too. something? Was there ever a, a broad comedy based on diehard type movies? And if not, how the hell did that not but happen?
1: Hold on, hold on. Did I, did
0: early in the stage? Or?
1: Have you seen Jean Claude Van Damme's sudden death? I did. did, did,
3: did, 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 did I mean, an actual it's great. satire. Oh,
1: okay. You mean, like, from that time? Because, you know,
0: like, Paul Blart is that, but that's later on. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There are plenty of comedies that do the premise, but not,
3: yeah. like... There's really the Ben
1: like, Stiller show sketch, Die ben Hard. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, Die Hard in the Grocery Store. Yeah. Which, now, I mean, I'm sure that's probably been a movie at some point. I think, like, the parodies are all, you know, like, things like Another stake Like, they have all these movies that are around, yeah. to some degree. And ones that are just comedies that aren't, Parodies, but just comedies. You, you know, like like Airheads is doing Dog Day After. Like, there's movies that are doing the thing, just doing it from a comedic lens, as opposed to a direct homage. I'm thinking because I mean, obviously, Loaded Weapon did Lethal Weapon, so you can't. Right. You know, that one's taken. Um, I think just the, the fact that it's such a big genre just kind of negates the idea of doing a full on parody of Die like that's just,
1: yeah.
0: I think even the Abrams and they're just like, why? <laughs> like, what?
3: And I think in terms of just you know, because obviously. Top Gun was a giant zeitgeist movie of the moment. Rambo yes. 2 was a giant zeitgeist movie of the moment. That's why I would
0: say you would probably I, go T two. Yeah, do. you're right because that was the, the other movie. one of that era. Mm-hmm. Like, I, don't, I think they've yeah, and there are you know they're doing the other stuff and everything, and he's and, made Ghost another real movie in First Night. So like one of them can't do anything, the other's doing. <laughs> Milton, <so>. <laughs> um,
3: <laughs> and yeah, Charlie Sheen could probably do a perfectly decent T eight hundred riff. I mean, I'm not sure I'd want you know care that you know, whatever, but I mean, he could do that. He's very
0: dead man. That's why mm-hmm. he works in these films. Um, what other action movies? Oh yeah, we talked underseas, There's Terminator. They're not going to do like. I like mean, I think all the other ones are
3: almost too specific. If that makes sense.
0: That's my thought. Like not Yeah, because yeah. you speed know, speed, <laughs> like what, what wrongfully accused does speed right? Uh, right. Yeah. One of them does, and Ray Charles is the bus driver because that's hilarious, right? Um. <laughs> And if, you know, the those Cage,
3: the
1: Nick, if those don't I mean, exist, if those don't exist, where's the Nick
3: Cage movies? I mean, obviously they're not comedies, but they're all they have their humor in a way that say Rambo First Blood Part Two did not. Or even Top Gun to a certain extent.
1: The I Rock. Mean, that's what you would
3: do. The Rock. Well, no, But even that, The Rock, that, that that's that's yeah. there's plenty. That's almost I'm not going to say it's a self satire because yeah. it's not. But that almost has too much comedy in
0: it by itself. I'm taking this too literal cuz I'm just thinking 2 years later as yeah. opposed to yeah. three, you know 4 or 5 6 right. years. Yeah. Like two years, you know, what's 95? What do you care right. at that point? So like I guess yeah, sp- speed might be the answer to that one. Speed's
1: the closest proximity to that 1993 date that's not going too far trying to cash in here. Yeah, but,
0: like but, like True Lies comes out, you know, the, the same year. It's like the prospect of doing these parodies just I feel like falls through to begin. Yeah. With.
3: I think after that era, I think action films become more comfortable with humor.
1: That's what Die Hard brought to it, and it starts. Yeah, it it starts feeding into it. Less of a
3: need for a film like this to puncture a pretentious, theoretically a pretentious bubble.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, that's the thing because the Rambo and Top Gun are, you know, There's a lot of melodramatic, I you know. Backing to support the the, the, to hold up that plot structure,
3: and maybe that's why these films sort of capped out at that
1: point. No, they took their money and went home. That's a rare thing because Hot Shots could have had a part three. That's yeah. So who this was back when you did that? Yeah, number what is number three, Scott? Uh, Oh, three is the luckiest number. Is that where (laughs) Carnes from? Yes, clearly.
3: (laughs) Um, Dave, seven point eight million dollars. Stay, It'll, uh, so, stay days, in the same. Adding another 350 screens in its third weekend. Mm. It, it dropped to 7.4%, brought its total up to 29 and change. It would, of course, top out at $63 million domestic. I, I'll look up worldwide next time but obviously it was a huge hit. Dragon the Bruce Lee story would earn just $3.7 million its third weekend, dropping 41%. Again, I'm not going to say it was front-loaded, but it was not a particularly leggy picture. Uh, it would earn $25 million by the end of day 17 for an eventual $35 million total. And uh, yeah, and you're seeing, I mean, you know, this is what? All, you know, one, two, three, all of these movies basically ended up with between, you know, 35 and $65 million, and that was enough for them. Yeah. Because that's how these things work back then. Um, Posse was number five. It would eventually earn. Uh, it held up pretty well. It dropped thirty-eight percent with three point three million. It would eventually earn eighteen point two. And then, uh, indecent proposal uh, eighty-nine and change after seven weekends. Lost in Yonkers would have uh, five point eight million after two weekends. Sidekicks is still there. <laughs> um, Betty in June, Groundhog Day. Oh, by the way, Cardasaur in seventeenth place in sixty-five feeders, one hundred and forty-two thousand mm-hmm. um, dollars. It would eventually top out at hundred or one point seven million dollars, which is more than most Oscar contenders this season. Yeah. That's a joke, but not by much. Oh, um, oh well, we and I don't see like time. Water for Chocolate here. Because oh. according to Bakkev's Mojo, which has been notoriously unreliable these days, you know it basically made most of its money from February to April. All right, uh, but that can't be true because okay, I'm confused now. Whatever. Anyway, by April eighteenth, it had made two point two million dollars. It would eventually leg out to twenty one and change. So clearly, it wasn't done. I am confused.
1: Yeah, it had a it would yeah it had a release date here of it. Was in released in World Fest in Houston in April, USA Film Festival in April. Uh, it was in Chicago in '92. Uh, February had a limited release in February of '93, and then was out on the twenty. Says the twenty eighth, but I might have moved it.
3: Yeah, yeah. On a two million dollar budget, it made twenty two million just in North America, plus whatever it earned everywhere else. Huge hit. Um, And that's the box office for this weekend. Mm-hmm.
1: Awesome. Yeah, this is, yeah. So it's this bigger release that maybe nobody saw. This is the Calm Before the Storm. Calm Before the Storm. So that'll do it um, for the weekend that was May 21st through 23rd, 1993. Scott and Aaron, thank you, of course, for joining me for this as we are almost... Getting there, we only have a couple. We have one more weekend of May to talk about, but before we sign out to next time, let people know where they can keep up with you, Scott. I'm at therap.com and I am at Twitter and at
3: Scott Mendelson.
0: And Aaron, you can find me on the podcast out now with Aaron and Abe. My friend Abe and I discuss movie releases on a weekly basis. I forget what's coming out this week in the mid May when this is coming out, but uh, I'm sure it was something that we watched and talked about. Um, I write for We of Entertainment and Why So Blue for movie reviews and Blu-ray and Criterion reviews. And I am on Twitter at AaronSBS4. All
1: right. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at brady 4 We're going work at whysoblue.com, which as of this month I've been at for 10 years. Dear God. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Um, so tune in next week as we go off a cliff to talk a movie that such menace could only be made in America Super Mario Brothers. Wow, that's fucking awesome. Jesus. (laughs) I saved it to the end. Saved it to the end. Uh, All that and more as the summer of 93 at 30 continues.
0: Big Daddy summer.